0: The Fanfic Writer's Craft is a podcast that discusses all things fanfiction with a focus on the art and science of writing for the enjoyment of fan communities. My name is Joe, aka Publisand, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. My co-host, Lani, is not here today, but I am joined by another wonderful guest who goes by the name of Nargos15Online, also known as Blaine, or Telling on Tumblr. Lane is the author of a brilliant Harry Potter AU fanfic called The Squib, as well as other works of original fiction. In this episode, we talk about being in the online fanfiction trenches of the late 2000s, as well as Blaine's love for writing what she calls dystopian hellscapes. We discuss the appeal of writing about the post-war Harry Potter world, and the reasons we are both drawn to exploring dark themes. Blaine gives us her pros and cons of doing an MFA, and talks about the art of building tension and suspense in her works. Lastly, We discussed the frustrations of riding for free in a world ruled by capitalism, and the merits of coming back to riding after a burnout and a long hiatus. I hope you enjoyed this discussion as much as I did, but for now, buckle up, get yourself a nice cup of tea, and welcome to the Fanfic Writer's Craft. Hello and welcome to the fantastic Writer's Craft, this is Jo, I hope you're all doing well. I certainly am, as I am just back from my holidays in Costa Rica, which were absolutely glorious. Um, unfortunately, Lani is not here today, but I'm joined by a fantastic guest who I'm honestly so excited to have on the pod because we've been talking on tumblr for a bit and she's just absolutely great i'm such a fan of her writing and i've been such a fan of her writing for so so long so i just could not wait to talk to her so her name is blaine and she goes online under the alias nargles15 on ao 3 and be telling on tumblr Since 2019, she has been working on a wonderfully grim Harry Potter fic called The Squib, which I've just basically been shoving down the throats of all of my Tumblr followers since I discovered it in 2021. The squib is set in a canon-compliant, but not epilogue-compliant uh, universe in the post-war world of Harry Potter, where Muggles not only have found out about the existence of wizards, but they've also launched a full-on war against them in retribution for all the harm done to Muggles in the war against Voldemort. The fic follows Harry, Ginny and Hermione as they hide and try to live under this new oppression by the Muggle world with their lives once again on the line. So Blaine, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited about this. As a way to kick this off, I was wondering if you'd like to go ahead and introduce yourself and... Tell me what you write, how you came to fan fiction, all that good stuff.
1: Hello, hello. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Um, what is that joke where it's like if, uh, you know, if this uh, piece of media has like 100 fans, then I'm one of them. This piece of media has like one fan, then I'm one of them. <laughs> and, yeah, and no it's fans me. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you have been like blowing the clarion for um, the squib so much. And it's, it's just been so, so wonderful. I'm so, so glad um, to be on here chatting about it. Um, yeah, I, uh, as you can probably tell from that intro, um, I like to write, um, mostly dystopian hellscapes. <laughs> um, whether that be, uh, apparently fan fiction or original fiction. Um, yeah, I like, I like the dark and the weird and the kind of twisted and the big sticky questions. Um, and you know what better place to, uh, exercise all of that than fan fiction of children's literature? It's great. <laughs> (laughs) um yeah i've been i've been in fan fiction um or like the larger like fandom community especially for like harry potter because i started reading harry potter around the same time that like all millennials did um Mm -hmm. when i was eight um actually really funny story how i started reading it i i decided that i like hated Harry Potter uh, before I'd even read it because everyone was reading it mm-hmm. and I was like Harry said like oh what a dumb name like I just <laughs> I was like I was such a pretentious little eight-year-old um and I I got like sent to my room for a timeout, and I always loved being sent to my room for a timeout because I would just go sit and read and I had read all of my books already and I was like well I guess I'll just like read this Harry Potter thing and I like did not come downstairs for dinner like I was yeah. immediately enraptured um so I, I joined the fandom pretty much as soon as I like Got an internet connection, um, <laughs> in my house about at like 14. Um, I was back in the fanfic.net trenches. <laughs> um, the children don't know how good they have it these days with the tagging system. Oh, God. <laughs> oh it was you would you would just be reading like a sweet little story and then all of a sudden you were reading like a snuff fic like it was it was <laughs> nothing was tagged at all it was it was horrible um but yeah and then I I, I kind of migrated on over to AO3 around the time that like everyone did I took a big step back um from fandom around in like mm-hmm. you know high school and college and such when it wasn't like not cool to do that um and then right it like I I it, it I, I especially like really upticked in like the pandemic when yeah. my brain couldn't handle learning like about new characters or like processing new characters mm-hmm. but I didn't want to just keep rereading like I wanted new stories but I didn't want new characters and I I would love some Spotify rewind stats on AO3 because I feel like mine would be just 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 overwhelming we'll say um but yeah that's that's kind of how I got into into fan I feel like I've I mean I've been in it for you know, uh, uh, almost twenty years at this point, which is crazy to say. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a it's been a ride. It's
0: funny the Spotify Wrapped thing uh, for fandom for Ao3 actually does exist. Like you can log oh, on. Oh God, no! There's so, <laughs> There's a couple of websites, I, they were going around like a few months ago, but well, in December and January, where like you can type in your AO3 handle and they kind of give you like your wrapped of the year or whatever, like how many pages, how many words <sighs> I, did you I, read or something. And I was just like, oh my God.
1: Uh, I take liberal use of the private bookmarks. <laughs> so that will not get posted. <laughs> yeah. um, oh gosh! Oh, that would be that would be, I because I love this Spotify Rewind. I'll have to go yeah, check that out. I um,
0: I discovered that I visited knowing where to look, which is a fake by uh, Alibaget who was on the pod a few weeks ago, two hundred and eighteen times. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, all of my view,
1: all of your all all of your hits are mine. Like- <laughs> I um, yeah, I have a I have a couple fix, Absolutely, that would some yeah. some will name, some will we'll keep we'll keep close to the chest. <laughs> 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 that, that I know that have been reread to death. Um, yeah, but there's—I mean, there's such there's such really, and it's it's you know I always sound like such a, a not an apologist because there's nothing to apologize for, but such a, a defender. Like I'll be out with friends and I'm like, what are you reading? And I'm like fanfic. Um, and I'm like <laughs> really, I mean, there's there really is like brilliant, brilliant writing. Like just yeah. like, at a sentence level, even just I mean, really stunning, beautiful prose and like incredible characterization work. That's like happening in fan fiction that you don't, that you like, you kind of can't see in, um, in published fiction in like the same way. Like I saw, I saw TikTok the other day because I'm, I'm way too on TikTok because I guess I'm trying to like cling on to the last bits of my youth. (laughs) Um, Like I know what the kids are into. This is fine. Um, but it was a it was a guy who was talking about um, reading like the ubiquitous fic that's that's all over TikTok. Um, the Drominey one, Manacled. Oh, and manacles, he, yeah, yeah. And it's I mean, it's 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 incredibly well plotted. The characterization is phenomenal. Um, but it's got essentially every trigger warning in the book that you could think of. And he talks about why he thinks it was so effective, and it's because we've got this you know seven book almost, a you know, a, a decade long, if you kind of started um, reading Harry Potter, like at the very beginning, and then, you know, if you've like spanning over the, the length of time it took her to get all of the books published, let alone if you've been rereading them all this time, mm-hmm. like you have all of that character knowledge and like throwing these like very familiar characters in this like incredibly horrifying situation, like it just makes it ring. Like that much more and I just I love what fan fiction can do with like Mm -hmm. playing around with prior knowledge of character and it's it's like speaking like its own separate language because you can just drop in little references to to the books and such and be like oh people are gonna like you know it's it's if well placed it's like oh that's a that's a fun flashback but also there's an extra layer to it because we know the context in the original story yeah, no, definitely. And
0: I'm um, just picking up on that. Um you said you're you're one of those people who are very open about writing fanfiction and reading fanfiction. Like do you talk to people about it? I
1: um, how many cocktails have I had? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, I talk I talk with my friends about it uh, a lot. Um just because it's been, you know, it's something that's that's now been consuming more and more of my life. Um I also feel like we've all like, I don't know, we've all with our friends gotten a lot, hopefully more vulnerable, like during the pandemic, like, mm-hmm. we all were doing you know, like, oh, what was your weird pandemic, um, like, hobby you picked up? Like, I had a friend pick up right. rollerblading <laughs> I had a friend, I got really into, like rock band <laughs> like, it was, like, it was like, what? Like, we, we all were, like, a bit more comfortable now, I feel like, going back to, like, things that we really yeah. enjoyed in, like, childhood, or that might be seen as, like, childhood and maybe maybe this is just me, think because I, I started in fandom so young um, that like I really associate it with like a level of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, then there's the the kind of it's the double-edged sword of nostalgia where you're like, oh my god, I'm like you know rounding thirty this year, and I'm still like mucking about in fan fiction. And you're like, no, this is serious literature. This is very very good. <laughs> are you are you a '93 baby as well? A '93 baby. Yeah, me too. Oh, 29. Uh, <laughs> here's 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 to thirty. I she's happening <laughs> I know, ready right? or not ready or not she's happening <laughs> I've got until August <laughs> mm. see I'm June so uh, right. I'll, let, I'll let you know how it goes <laughs> yeah please please do please do I'm gonna um, drop just the darkest chapter of the squib like the day <laughs> after my birthday <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay um yeah and and it's funny so going back to the squib um it's funny because i remember i found you because you left a comment on castles and i can't remember exactly what the comment was but i remember it was one of those comments and now this is going to sound like i stalk my readers or something i don't but sometimes i get comments that are like I don't know, that resonate with something or that I'm like, oh, that's quite interesting mm. or whatever. And so you left a comment and I was like, oh, well, I wonder who this person is. And <laughs> and so, And so I went to see your profile and I remember reading the summary of the squib and being like, ooh, a war between like, muggles and and wizards like that sounds quite interesting especially because it's not something like oh it's written for like the 16th century or whatever when like the first war like the actual war between muggles and wizards were was happening it's kind of like something contemporary to harry's time and i was like Ooh, that sounds interesting. And then I remember I book, I bookmarked it into like my TBR of shame, which is like the TBR that I never get to. And it took me like six months to get to it. And I remember I was looking, it was like late at night and I was looking for something to read and something that was quite short. And at the time there was only three chapters or something. And so I was like, ooh, I'll read this and see. Forget about it. I didn't sleep that night. I was like,
1: (laughs) Apologies on that. (laughs) I read it and
0: then I was like, Oh my God, this is so good. This is the best thing I've ever read. And yeah, for anyone who hasn't read the squib, please, please, please go read it. It is incredibly well written and incredibly interesting. And so I was wondering kind of how did you get that idea of being like, okay, I'm going to write something that is both post war, meaning mostly canon compliant. If you take out the epilogue and, but also like, I'm gonna throw these characters into this new war, and you know, this is this is how I'm gonna do it. Like, how did that come about?
1: I mean, I think I think for like I'm gonna write something post-war, I would say it was like the first like half of a seedling of an idea that I didn't even really know that I had had. Mm-hmm. Um because it's it's how I found castles. Um, actually, is I I live in the like any pairing post-war epilogue what epilogue like I live in those tags <laughs> um angst hurt no comfort like we live <laughs> we live in those tags and I I I thought that like your tag of like him the spring of 98 is about sex and funerals I was like oh okay we're partying now and I started I and that's how I, how I started reading castles but like I I've, I've been really into like post-war fic and I mean because we've talked about this like it's how how in the world do we get from like this entire society that has gone through essentially like a condensed and because it's a children's book sanitized like World War Two mm-hmm. in go from I mean like the literal castle in ruins to 19 years yeah. later like oh here's Harry and his like poorly named children like it's just <laughs> like how do we how do we get there like how would the society be able to rebuild itself I don't think it would. Or at least, like, I, I think that the, the road to that would be, like, long and arduous. Um, Mm -hmm. and like, what would that look like? And so I love exploring, like, dark post-war fix um yeah. and so i think that's that's kind of how i was like okay well what would what would happen as a consequence and in terms of like the muggle v wizard um aspect like i i swear i think it was just one of those ideas that i just i like woke up with it <laughs> um and I, I i like i have a very clear idea of like a scene um that i haven't written yet so we're gonna keep it we're gonna we're gonna play the cards close mm-hmm. to the chest but of and just sort of okay well what what would a world that, like, this scene inhabits, like, what would that look like? And just interrogating that a bit more led to, oh, well, the only thing that could have really happened in order for this to happen is that the muggles have found out about, about wizards. Like, it, it's, it's something in canon that always really interested me is like, you've got, you know, the, the, in canon, the British prime minister is like aware of this entire existence of, Uh, essentially just a pain in his ass um, of like, Oh, you know, the reason like, I can't tell all my constituents that you know, the reason why there's all these issues is because of this, you know, thing I have literally no control over. And I just I remember sitting and reading that when I was older and doing another one of my like yearly rereads and being like, no politician is gonna like abide by this. (laughs) Like, they're not just gonna accept like, Oh, you know, you know, like, this is completely, you know, not my fault, or like, not the fault of like, the Labor Party, like, I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, like, oh, sorry about it. Not gonna ever mention this, even though like people are, are kind of like crying out for for reasonings behind things. And I guess that kind of coupled with just the other realization of like how horrifying the concept of like squibs are. In canon. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like, oh, you know, you've 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 tasted Narnia and you just were you just weren't born with the right, you know, gene, I guess if we're going with the the magical gene theory. And so you just don't get to participate in this. But you're not gonna fully belong in the mocha world because like how could you after you are like aware of this entire secret? Society,
0: yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, I know you haven't read it, so I'm not going to spoil it. But <laughs> there's a lot of that in the Fulton Forge manufacturing and. Um, it's um, moving.
1: It's moving up my to-read list. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and yeah, like it's 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 a very it's a very very interesting sort of question. And and I also wanted to take this further and ask what draws you to like writing an AU and you know something that is partly canon compliant, yes, but mostly you know being in another world writing an AU going beyond what the world that you have um and that was created originally uh is for you.
1: I I think I'm really drawn to AU because we've already gotten the ending like when I I got into fandom after the publication of Order of the Phoenix when fandom when fanfics were essentially like okay it was either you know like the it was like the Snape wives or it was or it was you know what what do we think the final like the the end yeah. of the story is going to be um, and just like I guess have it or it was like you know deep cuts of like missing scenes and things but yeah I think I think now that we know the ending it's it's this sort of like okay what what next? Um, or like, and, and I mean, I guess in terms of like writing, mm. I mean, the thing that really drew me to, to Harry Potter in the beginning is, I mean, the, the characters are like phenomenal. I, and I know you and I have talked about it. JK, her writing yeah. style leaves a lot to be desired. Her everything at the moment leaves a lot to be, uh, desired. Get off Twitter, JK. <laughs> <laughs> um, but <laughs> oh my God, would she just she, get off Twitter? I still follow I had, her. If I had a billion be- dollars, I simply would never, never be on Twitter. <laughs> I would be on a yacht, like inside of a yacht, out on the Mediterranean somewhere, <laughs> paying some man to just like fan me with like a banana leaf. Like I, I. Don't, why are you on Twitter, fighting with people? is she's, oh she's a mess. God. She's a mess. Yeah um yeah. it's it's very yeah. <laughs> disappointing to put it mildly um <laughs> yeah. anyway. the jk of it all aside <laughs> um but yeah i i i think that because what, what really drew me out was the characters the writings are like you know style is a lot to be desired and like there are mm-hmm. especially as, like the latter books go on like oh, you can, you can drive trucks through some of those plot holes. Like, why do we get wand Lore so late in the series? I still have questions. Um, but I, I guess it's, it's such a fun and it's such a like rewarding exercise as a writer to be like, the world is there. The characters are there. I've been with these characters since I was, you know, like a, prepubescent child like i i i have a pretty strong grasp of them i can just play around mm-hmm. with like what happens when we change one thing like that and that i i think is so and i feel like you get that and i i'm i'm going to like I'm going to sound like I'm like dragging specific people. I'm not. I scroll through a lot of AO3. But like, I feel like, especially in like the, the fanfic.net days, you would get a lot of like, you know, what if Harry was like a Slytherin? Or like, what if Harry shook Malfoy's hand? Or, and I, I, it's something I think is like really interesting. And I, maybe it's just because I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not in a lot of other fandoms, but like Harry Potter, it just, it feels very ripe for what if I change, like, what if Sirius didn't go to jail? Well, like, what if I just change this one thing and then it's going to just, it's going to completely fracture the entire universe. And like, what does that look like with familiar characters?
0: Yeah, I think, I think, um, these fics to me have like, I'm a bit split about them because I like the idea, like when it's well executed, for instance, like Anirb. Oh, um, bless her. She's so good. She's
1: so good. I've reread the Armistice series like five hundred times. It's so so good. um,
0: Stop! Like she reblogged our podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I was like dying. I was like, "Oh my God, God has reblogged me!" (laughs) Like,
1: oh, Joan Didion read my book. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah she's phenomenal um, but yeah but she does in- incredibly well of like having this altered version of Ginny and altered version of reality but that's also mm-hmm. very grounded in canon I think the issue with a lot of these fics is that a lot of the times people don't necessarily It's just rewriting the books. Like, a lot of people fall into that trap of just like, oh, what if Harry was a Slytherin? Mm. But then they're just rewriting the original story without really adding to it. And I think... It's kind of a hard it's a hard genre to get right actually because I've seen a lot of people fall into that trap and it's not necessarily their fault of like just being like okay well these are all the events in the book and this is how I'm going to address like every single one of them and it feels mm. like you're just
1: rewriting the book Hermione punches Harry instead of Draco in the third yeah.
0: yeah yeah and and it's just like so I think I think there is kind of a struggle there as well in those fix of like Trying to get that right, and 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 it takes a particular kind of skill, in my opinion, to get those right. Uh, but this being said, I definitely see the appeal. I think you know, for me, for castles, it's like it's a little bit the same of like you know, not having. Yes, we have an end. Mm -hmm. But I need to know what all was well means.
1: (laughs) I like, I need to provide a (laughs) definition for it. I I love the way that you describe it as like, this is your what, like two, three hundred thousand word um, definition of of, like all was well. And I took all was well and I said, what if there was a little carrot between well or like was and well and just wrote not? it's just two sides of the same coin
0: (laughs) yeah 100% and I think um, we got a question uh, from one of our listeners Taranga who uh, which kind of goes into this a little bit deeper and I'm going to ask I'm going to read it and ask it to you so it's a question for the both of you a thing that I truly appreciate about both castles and the squib is that it takes the canon character fully into areas of darkness that were less defined or more more shadowy in the source text from which you built. Tell me a bit about your thoughts regarding that, how you reference canon qualities, Perhaps when putting your characters into canon, du- non-canon dark events, what you find interesting and important about that work?
1: Um, whoever sent this question, this is such a good question. I know, it's right? Yeah, it's such a good question. Like, this is this is like the kind of question like you dream that you're going to get on a panel rather than like, how do you <laughs> yeah. come up with the title? <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's I I have like been sitting and thinking about this for for so long. Um, peek behind the curtain, uh, Joseph. Send it to me ahead of time um but i was it's like happy circumstance that i sat down last night and i was watching this youtube essay because i am a huge dork um and it's called the consumerist dystopia of harry potter it's phenomenal i highly recommend it and it it talks about not only just like the way that like harry potter like is and is not a critique of like consumption but the way that like it's you know that has been just merged to like absolute mm-hmm. death by Warner Brothers um, and like and it ties in you know uh, uh, restrictions around um like the historical restrictions uh, particularly in the US around advertising to children and how that you know it was lifted with Reagan because everything was ruined with Reagan um, and it was you know and then in the 80s you had like the big swell of like He-Man and the show was only meant to like sell the product and like how brandable Harry Potter is and they they brought in the uh, the person who who is completely escaping me was creating the video at the end. A quote um, by Ursula K. Le Guin, who I huge fan. She's just I'm absolutely obsessed with her. And it was essentially talking about like the way that like commodified or like commercial fantasy like doesn't like it's it's lacking in comparison to like when you think about like the great text um and this like oh you know like what like commercialized fantasy like you're and i and i say this like again as a like, huge fans of these franchises but like harry potter and like star wars where it's like just been branded mm-hmm. to death but it also like given the audience and that they're they're essentially meant to especially when you talk about the movies meant to like sell a product like you you kind of find like necessity you have to deprive the story of like, it's really like, it's complexity, like it's intellectual complexity and it's ethical complexity. And I, and I was thinking about that mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, I think what makes, like, what's really, really fun about doing like dark fan fiction that sticks with canon characterizations is that you get to take these things that are kind of, like, vaguely explored in canon. I mean, because we all know the whole, like, oh, you know, choices are, you know, uh, uh, what make us not, you know, the situation which with, with which we're born to. But, like, what is that, and you and I have been talking about that, like, what does that really mean when you explore, like, what does it mean to make a choice? Yeah. What does that really mean when you explore, like... Being a muggle-born and Essentially being forced into this yeah. I mean, it's it, it feels like forced assimilation Not not to put too uh, delicate A point on it but like you have yeah. to At 11 give up Your like the entire world That you knew and it's like yeah okay You, you make that choice Hermione chooses Not to go see her family As much but like really yeah. why Like and I, I like to imagine It as this because they completely grew apart. Because how can you exist in two separate worlds, but also speak the same vocabulary? Like, it just, it feels so complex. And there's there's so many just, like, yeah. horrifying implications, like, already in in canon, that, like, because it's a children's series, she can't quite fully explore. That, like, when you take it darker, like, yeah. the roots are already there.
0: 100%. And I think on, on Hermione, like, I have a... I have a fake in my head about Hermione. Will I ever write it? I don't know, but it's it's partially written.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> I love the library of like. Will I actually get down to putting this on paper? Or am I just going to tell myself this story as I fall asleep? <laughs>
0: but uh, but but I have a whole story about that and Hermione and choice and and how. I think you know she chooses. She's someone who who very much like chooses her life. I think you know she chooses. She chooses mm-hmm. to distance herself from her parents and and is that really, as you point out, is that really a choice? Because you know she's eleven and she and she doesn't really know what she's doing and then she's probably lying to her parents to protect them from what is happening and then and then it just she just gets into deep and like what it what else? But I think she's also. She chooses between In in Deathly Hallows She chooses between Harry and Ron And she chooses to stay With Harry And it's like Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's such a difficult choice to make. And it's, it's why I've made a post a few months ago about how Hermione to me is kind of the example, the, the one example of bravery in the books, because she's someone who had a choice. She's the one who could have run away. Like she could have yeah, been like, Oh, yeah. I'm just going to live like a muggle. You know, she could have been like, No, this is not my world. This is not my war goodbye and she doesn't and i mm-hmm. think to me that's one of the very very interesting character traits of mm-hmm. hermione and why like i 100% believe she's a gryffindor is is because she is the the ultimate iteration of choice in the series as far as i'm concerned but i think you know one of the things that i really like about the squib and what you're exploring about um characters as well is the way that like in the war with the Muggles, Harry doesn't have a particular destiny. Like he's not because I think, you know, Harry in in the source material, he has a destiny. He's the one, from the get-go, he's the one mm. who will solve all of this. Like, who will defeat Voldemort. He wants to be the one who defeats Voldemort and all that. And canon only, kind of, as the books go on, reinforce that belief and, and that destiny, kind of, for him. But But in a war with muggles, like he's just a random guy, (laughs) you know, he's just hes he's like, what's the line of brute from a boar stroll? (laughs) (laughs) He's just this like random lad trying to survive just like everybody else. And I think that's a very interesting way to look at a character. And to come back to Taranga's question, I think, you know, for me, there's two aspects to this. There's like the... How do you do it? Like, how do you take those characters into a darker sphere? And for me, that's like doing exactly what we've been talking about, which is, you know, okay, this is Harry. This is who we know he is. This is what traits he has, like whatever. Mm -hmm. He's brave. He's impulsive. He's X, Y, Z. And then taking that and being like, okay, what happens if I take that into a different situation? What if I make him not the destiny, like the poster child for the rebellion and just some guy trying to survive. What if I put him in another war? What if I put him in a situation where like his girlfriend is um, hurt? Where, you know, all these mm-hmm. things. And so I think th- there's that thing of like, to me, it's about knowing who your character is, yes. really honing it down on those traits and then putting them into another situation. And to me, it's it's exactly the same As what I would do with an OC as well you know when you look at castles Mm -hmm. with Mia, Mia and I are very very different characters, like different people which is why I find her so fascinating but it's kind of like okay I know she's someone who's extremely like who's a bit shy, who's a bit like very conflict averse and it's like okay what what would that person do in that situation? So I think for me, that's kind of the thing. And also Ooh. in terms of like what is important and interesting about exploring darker themes, I think for me, it's the same thing that you said, which is kind of taking the story a step beyond, kind of being like, okay, these are dark, very dark themes, but that couldn't be explored. And so I want to explore them. And that's kind of what, what Castles is all about. But also I think for me as well, I would qualify, I would, I would say I'm quite a political writer in the way that I like. (gasps) I'm not at all. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Where I would, in terms of like talking about social issues, like, you know, the justice system, violence against Mm. women and all that stuff. And so I think for me, these are things that I like to write about that I like to explore and so fan fiction becomes like kind of the vehicle to that I think
1: oh yeah absolutely I I love the the point of like in this war Harry's just some guy and on your point of like okay what what does it look like to have these canon characters like you know Harry being very rash and Harry being very impulsive like what does that look like on you know if you drop him into another situation and like for his as ration as impulsive as he is like when it comes to like the larger machinations of like the wizarding war he's like very much kind of waiting for someone else to tell him what to do like Deadly Hallows is just him morosely wondering like what would Dumbledore have wanted me to do and so yeah so playing with that of like him falling into that that script um of like this is how I think that a war is fought and it's Oh, it's just—it's so fun every time you get to bring up the just camping trip of doom um, that they all had to go on and like tie it into to like them being out on the lam again. Um, but like, yeah, the situation just being completely, completely different.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think another thing that I want to talk to you about uh, regarding your writing specifically is I was rewriting—I was rereading the squib um, a couple days ago and. I noticed there's something that I really admire in your writing, um, which is the way you build tension and the way you build tension specifically in scenes where It's not like big explosions or big fights or whatever, but it's like these really small scenes where nothing much happens, but there's so much tension. And I think one of the examples that I'd like to give, and it's in the first chapter, so I don't think it's like super spoilery, but it's basically in the first chapter, you've got Harry and Ginny who, so they're basically squatting this house uh, because they're trying, they're hiding from muggles and they need food. So they go to the supermarket to buy food and there's this whole scene. That drags on quite a bit where they are trying to shop, trying to engage with the people at the shop, but also trying to not be made out as wizards. And especially Ginny, who didn't grow up um in this environment and just, just kind of having to fake it. And that whole tension of her of them not wanting to be discovered and trying to, you know, just get out of that place as quickly as possible, but not too quickly because then that's suspect as well. And, and it, I was rereading that scene. And it's like one of these scenes that it's like on the edge of your seat uh, in terms of tension, but also in the grand scheme of things, not much happens. And so I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that a little bit and how, you go about that in terms of writing
1: yeah um i think that scene in particular i got to do one of my absolute favorite things, which is two characters are having a conversation seemingly about one thing, but they're actually completely talking about something different. Um, so yeah, when when Harry and Ginny are like arguing over how much like you know kind of spare change they have and like what they're going to be able to purchase, um, which that in itself like you know as as like the like the, the little little money that they're squabbling over like oh that might necessarily like raise a couple flags, and they catch the attention of you know a, a Muggle grocery shopper who kind of his brow and like starts really watching them, which Ginny notices. Um, and then you know, she tries to really like diffuse the tension of that moment, and just completely misjudges the the man. And 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 it's you know they're they're essentially caught in that moment, but they're not they're not talking about that. It's this. She tries to make a crack about like you know the Tories, and then he comes back with a rather strong yeah. <laughs> um and uh, yeah i mean i guess uh in terms of just building like tension in a scene because it's it's at least in the way that I crafted it, I would say the reason why that one is tense is because, like, we know that, like, we know the stakes now of them, like, being around these muggles. We know that, like, mm-hmm. if they are discovered, like, okay, that's essentially game over in, in a sense. Um, because at that point, we've gotten a few news clips around, like, what have been, what the muggles have been doing to these wizards. And yeah, it's, it's, I, I love, what's the, the famous, like, Hitchcock example of, yeah, if they're all at the dinner table and a bomb goes off you get that like one second of surprise exactly whereas if you oh we flash to the bomb under the table then suddenly okay these people all they're talking about is like you know uh, just like like idle dinner party chit chat Mm -hmm. when you know the audience is like oh and so like I, i i think just any moment where you can have like Characters like talk around an issue. Characters not address the elephant in the room. Characters like like can you set up something where like and not dramatic irony in the sense of, you know, like the Romeo and Juliet of it all, where it's like, oh well, if only they would have known. Like, because I was I always think that's a bit overplayed, but like, yeah, like why like what stakes is the reader aware of going into a scene and then something as simple as you know oh I guess we're only going to be able to do pasta and butter like then it's why are you guys wasting time you have to get out of here (laughs) like it it really it just it's it's I always find like writing good tension is just all in the setup because then if you if you let the scene just like Quote unquote, breathe. Like, yes. the audience is just absolutely, pa- I mean, I've been, sir, so I've been, if, if for my four followers, um, <laughs> blogging nonstop about The Last of Us and I, the new HBO show. I started oh. watching last night because of it's- you. I was like, Oh my God, she kept <laughs> talking about it. I need to watch. I it. apologize. It's so good. It's, it's just, it's one of the like, and I'm, I love horror movies. I love scary movies. Jump scares always get me because I'm a very jumpy person, but like, I'm not really ever very, like scared this show scares the shit out of me because it's so yeah. tense and i and i i yeah it's it's, it's yeah. studying like things like that where i'm like okay i'm having this sort of visceral reaction like what about the scene setup makes it such um there was a really great mm-hmm. scene in one of the most recent episodes and i'll keep it spoiler free where like they set up All of the characters pull the, oh, you know, well, we can't go this way because all the zombies are going to be there. And you're just you're waiting and waiting and waiting for the zombies to come and you don't get them. You get them later, and so you're like, "Oh, I've just I have breathed, I breathe a sigh, I've released," and then you're like, "Oh shit, ah. here are these mushroom zombies!" Like, it, <laughs> it's yeah. It's, I I think it's as much as you can play with like reader expectations and like let it like lulling people into kind of a false sense of security, then you can like really ratchet up yeah. tension.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely think I I definitely agree and I think um one of the things that I was thinking as well when I was reading that scene is like I think it's also a scene that's built on tension that we've all felt before not not to that extent mm-hmm. of course we're not being hunted down by muggles <laughs> but, I don't know about you but I'm late I'm on the lam <laughs> but but you know we've all been in situations at least maybe not all of us but at least as a woman, I have been in the situation mm-hmm. where you're just kind of like, this could go either way. Like I'm in a, 100%. I'm in a place where there is a little bit of danger and I, I don't know which way this will go. And also what I love is like the scene where they're leaving and they don't mm-hmm. run. They like walk as fast as they can towards like somewhere they can hide. And it's like this thing of like, I'm sure we've all been like this where it's like, I don't want to run. But I also like I'm walking as fast as I can because there's this there's like this like weird guy following me behind me or something. And I think that's also something that you can kind of look at if you're looking to write a scene like that is you know like things kind of linking it even if it's an alternate universe even if it's not reality linking it to things where we've all felt that before like we've all been in this situation before and what have we done and because I think that like kind of helps with the connection
1: with the with the reader as well every woman and like femme presenting person knows the like like soft laugh at the creepy guy where you're like oh, don't murder me yeah, <laughs> yeah I a hundred a hundred percent and I, I think too to the the Uh, what you referenced of like oh you know they walk but they don't run i think there's a very like when you're starting out writing i think this goes for a lot of different examples you want to take everything to like a 10 so you want to be like oh and then they had to like drop everything and scramble out of there Mm -hmm. and like run like bats out of hell and it's like that's that's not tense if you let them sit and stew in that moment and have the audience sitting here going what is going to happen next because they're you know they're in the mouth but the teeth haven't closed yet. yeah that's it's just it's so rich hundred percent
0: and so kind of uh going away from the squib a little bit I know that you and I have talked and I thought this could be a good thing uh, that we could discuss because I'm sure maybe some of our readers uh uh, listeners have uh, wondered about this is you said to me you did an MFA I did (laughs) and I wanted to kind of get your opinion on it because you know I know that I was on the fence for a while and then I never did it um But I think a lot of you know, I've seen a lot of discussion around even on Discord or whatever, people considering taking writing classes and potentially doing an MFA or not, but at least like, you know, doing writing classes and things like that. And I just wanted to kind of ask your opinion about it and and what like what was your outcome? Did you did you like it? Did you think it was valuable? Anything like that in terms of you know learning not really learning how to write but you know like kind of taking your writing further
1: yeah yeah i mean this is uh, this is also great it's like the questions i've like asked myself a million times as i stare at my degree <laughs> um no i i so i i went into undergrad really like again pretentious little shit that i was being like i know that i want to like get an mfa like i'm essentially going into undergrad for english lit with like a concentration in creative writing because that's all that you could do mm-hmm. um at the the school that I went to um, I mean I've I have loved writing and I've been writing since I was like nine the only good outcome of like public school standardized testing in the U.S. was in my state for fourth grade you had to do like a writing test which for some reason it was on creative writing Mm -hmm. and it was like eighth grade was then like persuasive writing and like 10th grade was like a research paper or something um and the last two sucked but the the creative writing Mm -hmm. one was so lovely because we spent so much of the year obviously like teaching to the test because it's America um which was just like creative writing and I and I discovered it and I loved it and I I just I've always really liked school so I was like it it was a it was a sort of a natural marriage for me of I want whatever the the terminal degree Mm -hmm. for this field is I'll say I'll say to people deciding if they want to do an MFA you don't if you want to take like writing classes you don't necessarily have to do an MFA to do that cuz i think i think you get three really great things out of an MFA you get obviously like the classes in writing like i got to do some really incredible workshops um some really incredible craft talks um i got my MFA at um NYU it was our low residency program um so i got to go to paris five times <laughs> did not hate that um that was that was lovely um, um, but it, it's and it was it was it was very nice because it was um because the, the low residency model is essentially like you do the bulk of the work throughout the semester, like on your own time and you have to fit it into your own schedule, which like if you want to be working writer or not but like you just want to write like you have to find time in your schedule. And so I knew I didn't want to do like a full residency program because I didn't want to like, you know, go to like Iowa amongst the corn stalks. I <laughs> um, actually also don't like the writing yeah. that's coming out of Iowa, but that's my controversial opinion of the day. Um, but like I, you know, and I was I, I didn't want to just live in a bubble where all that I was doing was writing. And it's, you know, and so we would we would go to Paris and we would do like about 2 weeks of workshops and craft talks and reading yeah. um we had, like ocean Vuong come once i mean it was it was like really really fabulous but i see you don't need like an mfa to get that like you can find really excellent like writers groups and writers classes um admittedly it's it's a bit easier if you're a yeah. member of a metropolitan area just given populations but like i i would say that like if that would be my like that would be thing one that that i really like got out of mine was like the the study of the craft itself was really really beneficial really like taught me a ton of what i know yeah and then the other two would be it's a great way to find your writing community um which you can also do through writing workshops and writing classes and like clubs and such and, uh, and through fan fiction. Like, I know that there's, you know, there's a lot of community that, that happens here, which is so lovely. Um, the third thing, and this is the thing where it's like, oh, you get out of your MFA is who you study with. Um, and like what mm-hmm. you can learn from them. And so it's, it's, it's one of those where I'm like, if you're looking at an MFA, I would say the most important thing to, to really look at if you're seriously considering yeah. it is like, who is on faculty and do you want to learn from those writers? Um and just and like and that and it's the tricky thing because just because they're like a really good writer doesn't uh-huh. mean they're gonna be a really good teacher. Some of my uh some of my professors were, you know, not super well known and just ah just brilliant. Um, others were very well known and very brilliant at teaching. And I hate them because how are they good at both? But yeah, I, I'd say get an MFA if it's something that you want for yourself. It was something I really wanted. Um, you're, you're not ever going to get a job from it. Don't do like I did. Don't go into debt for it. It's not worth, I love my degree. It is my favorite thing that I own. Um, I'm so proud of it, but I, whew, that price tag. (laughs) She, uh, she was a lot. Um, but yeah, it's, it's you, I, I also just, I don't, I don't like the, the kind of schism that happens in writing communities of like MFA versus like non MFA, where like, M- like people who have an MFA can like tend to really look down upon writers who don't, which I think is just utter bullshit. Like, I mean, I, I have read and, you know, in the the degree that I got and the, the people who I read um, who were kind of coming along at the same time as me, some of the most brilliant writers were in there, like really, really beautiful prose. And some of them sucked. <laughs> and so it's just it's it's really like don't do it for validation. Do it because it's something that like you really want to do for yourself. And I also, I would be really remiss if I didn't know a lot of mm. workshops, um, especially at like predominantly white institutions can be like, um, if not unwelcoming, like downright hostile towards like people of color or like differing gender identities, writing in ways that are not the like kind of traditional five act story model it's a lot of talk around character motivation where it's like well you know uh you know rest is resistance and like you can have characters who like experience life and like that is a story in itself there doesn't always have to be conflict in a story for it to be like propulsive um so yeah it's it's if you want to do like literary fiction if you want to really like delve into that, that's great. I did like literary genre blend um, which luckily my professors were like really on board for and really supportive of because I know MFAs can also be like mm-hmm. quite hostile towards genre fiction, which is again bullshit. Ursula Le Guin is one of the greatest writers ever and she wrote speculative fiction and sci-fi. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be my long-winded MFA. Um, get it for yourself if you want to get it. Don't get it expecting that it's going to like change your life in any way, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah. I- I, I think that's very interesting because I think I think this is me asking you a question because also like I was considerate maybe no one in my listenership <laughs> considers
1: it, but, w- but write to I, us and let us know if you're considerate yeah please um
0: no but I think like well so, for me, the thing is, I when I graduated high school, I went into... So, the first thing I need to explain for American listeners is that in Europe, law is an undergrad degree. Mm. So, it's it basically you finish high school and you go into law. Like, that's a possibility because I know that in the US, you have to do an undergrad first and then go into law school. And so... I did the thing where at the time I was already very interested in writing and I think now it's changed a little bit, but at the time I was in a position in terms of just my background where, although I spoke really good English, I didn't know that it was possible to go outside of France to study. Like that was not information that I had access to in terms of my background. And so I was just like, well, I don't really want to do like English lit in France because... Mm that's not really you know like that would be as a foreign language and i was like well i don't really want to do that i already kind of knew that i didn't want to write in french because i was already writing in english in english so i was kind of like yeah. okay, i don't want to do french lit and then and also like french literature is just like we've spoken about this with uh, another guest on the pod when we did uh, the episode on writing in english as a second language uh, uh, french literature is weird um <laughs> But it's just not something that I'm very interested in. So I was kind of like, well, I don't want to do that. And also I had obviously my family very much pressuring me into like, well, you need to get a degree that will get you a job. So I went to law school <laughs> <laughs> and and look, I like my job. I like what I do. And obviously the criminal justice system is also a passion of mine. So I, oh, I yeah. landed where I should have landed, but but I think it was always something in my head of like, ah, oh, what if, what if I'd taken a class in writing? Because because of this, because writing for me is a hobby, all I know is like, just kind of, I'm feeling my way through. Like everything that I've learned is just through trial and error. And just like, I've never been taught anything. I've never, I've had betters before, but that's about it. And just, you know, kind of feeling if something feels right or wrong. And I, I think there's always been a part of me that's been like, Ooh, I should, maybe I should take a writing class or whatever, but also my issue is that when I, I did, well, it's not that I didn't like school, it's that I don't like being told what to do. So, (laughs) so so like when to give you an example like when I would be in class and there would be like there would be like a book that you must read and then like supplementary Mm -hmm. reading you know like if you want to you could read those books I would always read the supplementary reading but not the main book Uh, (laughs) oh my god I love that so it's like it's it's the same thing as like someone I think I can't remember if it was Lani maybe it was Lani who said like oh I hate writing present tense because you can't do hindsight I was like what me do hindsight and <laughs> in present tense <laughs> Hey, and you have it's really good <laughs> and so part of me is like i don't think being in a classroom environment when it comes to writing would be particularly productive because i would be like i would be just like well i want to do the opposite of what you're telling me i like proving you that i'm right and you're wrong basically but i do think it's an interesting thing for other people maybe uh, for, you know, because I think a lot of people seem to learn a lot from it. And it, it is also, I think you talk about writing community. And I think that's very important because for me, I know that one of the things that's kind of held me back in terms of writing original fiction, mm-hmm. you know, there's always this thing that people are always saying, Oh, you know, fic writers don't write original fiction because they can't build their own characters or they can't build, you know, all that sh-. All, yeah, okay. all that stuff <laughs> and it's like that's absolutely not the reason why I'm not writing original fiction the reason I'm not writing original fiction is like I like posting things on the internet and people reacting to it and having a community of people you know being able to build a community both on like online of people who are reading what I'm doing and who are liking or disliking but at least reacting to what I'm doing versus you know being behind your screen on your own uh, writing original fiction for months on end and I think <laughs> months and months and years. <laughs> years on end and I think um and I think you know that those things of those programs do give you that kind of circle of people if you do find like minded people because sometimes unfortunately you might not but if you do that's a very valuable thing to have i think
1: i would i would definitely say for like anyone who might be listening and is like interested take some like any if you haven't taken a writing class before take some writing classes before you like go full into like i'm now gonna get like an Mm -hmm. mfa just to like to your point to see if it's for you because like my my program just again given the structure of it like when we were in paris we would be doing you know we'd be in workshop um most every day like you'd have to read this huge binder of everybody's work and we'd have the traditional hour per story everyone discusses um the the author is like not allowed to speak because the work has to speak for itself um and then in the last like 15 minutes it's like okay the writer can be like the author can be brought in and like it's now a bit more of an open discussion um And, but then it was, you know, when we weren't in Paris and we were just like, it was, you know, the semester, it was much more of like a mentor mentee relationship with your Mm -hmm. professor. Um, because you would send them, you know, packets of like new work and like critical reading responses and they would assign you books to read based off of of what you were writing. Um, and I'm shockingly writing, um, original fiction that's also dystopian. And, um, one of my favorite professors, he handed me my reading list and he goes, enjoy your hellscapes. (laughs) I mean, he had me reading like the stand like this this guy was incredible um, because he understood the importance of genre fiction uh, but yeah I, I I really would say test out if like workshop environments are for you there are also some really if you're kind of like wanting to dip your toes into like learning more about writing there are really great craft books that like really break down mm-hmm. um a lot of like let's like look at a scene and why does this work this way uh because i mean i mean writing is art like it's it's absolutely artistry but like in the same way that like film is art but there's like a filmatic language that like people have yeah. and you don't realize that you speak like writing fiction it's the same sort of way where it's like oh well if you set this up and like if you're not purposely subverting expectations you're going to like disappoint your reader
0: i think these are things that you can totally learn on your own. Oh, absolutely. But it takes a lot longer, maybe, and, like, a lot more, I don't know, maybe work ethic or discipline. We had a whole conversation about, like, how writing
1: is work. <laughs> This is, this is the conversation my best friend and I have every single time we get together at like a happy hour. We just, cause he teaches and we just inevitably devolve into like talent means nothing. The only thing that matters is work ethic because like you can be the most, whatever it means to be naturally talented person in the world. But if you do not put a word down on paper, like, like if a tree falls in a forest and like, if you don't write anything, like, are you, are you talent? Like, that talent just kind of it doesn't it doesn't concretely exist like yeah. I'll t- i will take work ethic every single day over talent like i think i think just having a strong work ethic not to sound too like protestant jesus <laughs> like, I sound like, so, like such an american pilgrim over here like as long as you pull <laughs> pull yourself up by your bootstraps goody proctor and you'll get this written <laughs> like, but yeah it's 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 a it's a commitment to to the work and the fact that It is work, and that you don't just sit down and, like, spill out beautiful prose on the first try. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and that's something that I've been trying to sort of reinforce to people on Tumblr. Not necessarily about me, but about, like, fanfic in general. It's like, your favorite fanfiction writers work. They work on it. Like, if... you know, if your favorite fanfiction, because I know a lot of people are reading my stuff or like Hinnie fans, if your favorite fanfiction is The Changeling by Anne Herb, I can tell you, she must have spent hundreds of thousands of hours on that thing. Like, it is. I,
1: I really want her to comment on this and just like, nah, I just wrote it on the weekend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, she did take 10 years to finish it. So oh, I think yeah. that says, I think that says
1: it all, you know? It's it's such work, and I, I mean, and this gets into the conversations I feel like we've been having around like you know con- contentification. Yeah. Or choke on that of like it because you're not making like money off of it. It's not seen as like work that's like worth your time and this sort of like and and i and but i also feel like it then breeds this where you get a lot of and like luckily i've i've not you know like personally run into any of them but i feel like you get them a lot in like different ships and different spheres of the harry potter fandom because it's it's huge and it's it's vast and you know it's it breaks off in its own little factions where it's this like well it's just fan fiction why isn't this done yet Like, you should be able to just sit down and write this in, like, a weekend. Mm -hmm. Why haven't you yet? Like, you publish a 25,000 words chapter. Where's the next one? Why don't we have the next one yet? (laughs) Whereas people don't... I mean, people say that to George R.R. Martin, but they should because it's been how long, man? But, like, people don't... It's not, you know, oh, uh, uh, like, Margaret Atwood pumps out the Testaments. And we're not going, "Where's where's the threequel, Marg? Like, where... Like, you just push this book out. Like I finished it. Why can I not download the next one onto my Kindle right now? Yeah.
0: (laughs) And and there's this kind of line of thinking that I hear a lot as well, which kind of grinds my teeth a little bit. Which is that well, this is a hobby, so you shouldn't be spending that much time on it. Which I think is like for a lot of people, it's the logical inference of like, well, you're not making you're not making money. Thus, why are you spending all these hours on it? Like, why are you focusing on it so Mm -hmm. much? And and there's lot of that of like, oh, well, you know, for instance, like, oh, you shouldn't worry about the quality or you shouldn't worry about reviews or you shouldn't worry about this because it's just a hobby. And that just kind of bothers me a little bit because you wouldn't say this to someone who played like classical piano as a hobby do you know what I mean like they're not making money either but you wouldn't say you wouldn't say oh it's just a hobby so you shouldn't Mm. be spending like hundreds of hours on at your piano and the reaction
1: would be like oh my god you play classical piano like it's it's met with awe rather than this like why are you yeah why are you like wasting your time and it's like sometimes i like to do things that aren't tied to capital yeah <laughs> i like to do things just because i enjoy doing them for the sake of doing them
0: but at the same time it is work like the fact that it's not oh, yeah. remunerated doesn't mean that it is not work and i think it's it, i think it's a hard line to kind of walk on for a lot of fan fiction writers of wanting to acknowledge the fact that it is work wanting to acknowledge the fact that it is unpaid work and at the same time wanting to acknowledge the fact that it is a hobby mm-hmm. and that you are spending a lot of time on it when you know you could be you could be having another job and and that ties into my point which I've made before not on the pod but I think on Tumblr saying that fan fiction is a rich person's hobby because ri- because only rich people can have the time mm-hmm. to devote mm-hmm. to writing good fan fiction without being without it ever making money. Um, but that's a, that's a side point. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh yeah if you're writing like you know beyond like crack fix and yeah. stuff where it's like i'm just sort of sitting down and like this is just a fun thing for me oh yeah 100%. and the way that you would pick up like a book or pick up a video game or like something like that like yeah if you are putting in the like hundreds and hundreds of hours in the same way that you know a writer would with original fiction like okay at the end of it which getting into the publishing industry is an entirely different conversation Yeah, but like at the end of it there is the possibility of like okay cool like if all goes right in in that sphere like I could potentially make the smallest advance possible on this but like there would be something yeah. monetary to show for it yeah
0: 100% so the last kind of question that I wanted to ask you kind of tie into that is I think you have said that you write original fiction as well and so I was wondering how do you articulate your relationship to both fan fiction and original fiction what are the kind of pros and cons of both and like what Why do you feel drawn to writing both?
1: Um, So I started writing fan fiction um, because, and we've talked about this, I was writing original fiction at a complete burnout pace. um, And I hit like November of 2020, I was in the process of like doing agent queries and like, like really going for it. And I got a revise and resubmit from an agent. She was like, I want this to like bake more. And I was like, say less. I'll, you know, take the holidays. I'll think about it. And I'll start writing again at my frenzied pace in January. January went, I didn't keep writing like February, March. Like I spent Probably about a year and a half just not writing anything. And I really missed it. Like, I, I just, I missed. And I think it's so interesting, like, kind of this coming at the, the end of the, the monetization discussion, because like trying to monetize writing like really made me like, I I just didn't like the relationship that I had with writing. I felt that like proverbial reader over my shoulder the entire time. Like it just, it didn't feel like fun anymore. But I missed writing because I love writing. Mm. I've loved writing since I was nine years old. And so I was like, you know, I am spending all of my free time reading fan fiction voraciously. Let's like, let's write. Something, because I couldn't start up another original project because then the, you know, demon in my head would be like, why aren't you just writing your original fiction? Like, why aren't you writing your main book? And yeah. I, I had, um, same professor who assigned me the stand, absolutely love him, was like, you need he was like all writers need like their big project they're working on they're trying to get done and you need your little side project where you're like we can't keep meeting like this like you need to have like an affair <laughs> with a side project and I went okay that'll be that'll mm-hmm. be the squib and so like my I think I used the squib as almost like a test lab for like Oh, I'm I'm feeling really stuck on like this bit of like characterization or like I'm not feeling like I'm sprinkling in enough world-building details, which is so much more difficult when you're building a world from scratch but like okay what is just the mm. rhythm of including details everyone's going to speak the same language quote-unquote as me with harry potter i can throw in fun little references to like yeah. the way the world used to be and that lands immediately and i don't have that like frustration that i have with original fiction but like i think that like what makes writing fan fiction like so rewarding for me and what makes it so much different than writing original fiction is you can just, because like the characters are there, the world is there, except, you know, if you're writing AU, it's like, okay, what makes the like one thing different? And you can just go. It's like, it's like being, I find like writing, especially because I'm in the editing phase of writing original fiction. So it's like being stuck in traffic where I'm like, okay, stop, start. Stop, start. Oh, do I want A or the here? I can't decide. Let me highlight mm-hmm. it. Make a note to myself of like, what word choice do I want here? Whereas like, fan fiction has really felt like I can just like run yeah. and I've just missed running. Um, but yeah, I really, I like, I, I definitely, definitely use fan fiction as like, remind myself that I enjoy this, that like, this isn't just something that I would want to like monetize at some point or that I, you know, I, I would like to be published at some point. Um, But like, oh, I just I like doing it for the craft of doing it. And I hear I feel like you hear especially like debut authors. It's it's like, you know, you have the uh, with with original fiction, you have the initial jolt of like serotonin and adrenaline and like all those like juicy chemicals when it's like, Oh, I have my agent and like, Oh my God, I have my book deal. And oh, now I have my book launch. And I, I feel like I've, I've heard and read and, and seen so many interviews with debut authors being like literally the book launches and this just pit settles in my stomach because it's what now whereas like fan fiction to the point of community like you get that high every time you post a chapter and it's really addicting (laughs) it's just it's just so like That immediate feedback and that just like immediate like connection that people have to these characters because you know we all we all you know love and enjoy these characters like you're not you're not fighting for like that attention you're not fighting for like are they going to like really understand Hermione like everyone gets Hermione we've been with her for like twenty years now
0: yeah no definitely and it's funny it's funny you mentioned the like the sort of pit after like publishing because. I have low key anxiety
1: About finishing castles it's, It gets really I mean I've, I feel like I felt this With my original fiction Like crazy Where it's this and, and again oh my god I'm on TikTok too much But like it's that fear <laughs> I keep seeing all these TikToks And I'm like god The algorithm is just killing me Of like fear of success And like fear of like, com- like Oh my god I have successfully Like completed my project What now?
0: It's exactly that Like I'm like I I, I still have a good Chunk of chapters to go But I, the end is in incised Do you know what I mean? Mm. And, and it's like this, we're in Act 3. Yeah, we're in Act 3, <laughs> although I haven't started writing it, but we are in Act 3. My head is in Act 3. Um, and I'm just like, what am I going to do after that? Like, I, I, you know, and I yeah. I do have a little bit of a site project, which is Roar. Like, that's my kind of affair uh, with, like, the, the sort of character pieces. Like, there's, like, the Fleur one and the is Vic and all that stuff. But it's like, it, it's still, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, Castles is going to be finished. Like, it's going to be finished. And and what am I going to do next? And and yeah, I'm in. And at the same time, I I'm so excited about finishing it because first of all, I've been carrying this on top of my shoulder since the pandemic. Like I started writing castles in in September 2020, and you know that's you know I I'm very excited to finish it and probably I hope to finish it this year. And I'm very excited about finishing it. And I'm very excited as well about like. Other people knowing what's in my head for the end, you know, like that's so cool. That would be so cool. But at the same time, I'm like, Oh my God, because I know that when I finished my last long fic, which was in another fandom, I kind of didn't write for two years after that. And I'm just kind of like, Oh, I'd like to keep writing, but then do I turn to original fiction? Like what do I mm-hmm. do and stuff? And, and so yeah, like I totally, I totally get that. And I think it, it would be even more so in original fiction. Fiction where like the book is published and you're like, okay, I-, I need to produce. And I, there's, um, um, I'm not sure if you've read Sally Rooney. I feel like I'm the only
1: person on this planet who has not yet read Sally Rooney. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, but her latest book, uh, Beautiful World, Where Are You? Kind of talks about that. It's like, because obviously she had this like mad, Fame with normal people and and everything and then you know one of one of the characters in in the la in the latest book is a bit of a self-insert although she says it isn't but it kind of is and 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 it's okay (laughs) it's okay um but but where like this character is like kind of struggling of like what do I write now? What do I do? Like the character is like this really famous, like world famous author who's known for uh, the way she writes sex scenes, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, Sally. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Sally. You 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 named yourself Alice. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, but you know, it's, and it's, um, and it's very interesting. I think it's a, it's a very interesting kind of phenomenon and, and, and definitely something that you can, you know, kind of struggle with and especially as a published writer, I think. So it's, it's super interesting. Um, Okay, we're going to wrap up because we've been talking for a while. Um, <laughs> but I was wondering, uh, do you have any recommendations to make for our listeners this
1: week? Um, yes, I do. Um, I would absolutely recommend The Last of Us if you want to mm. cry until you get snot in your hair at a zombie show. Um, no, I, I I have been really loving it so far. Pedro Pascal is also just a nice little cherry on top. Yeah. Um, and then, I guess if you've read The Squid and you're interested in more, like, hellscapes... Two of my favorite, uh, dystopian books that I've read. One recently and one not so recently, but it's just my favorite. I really love or- Margaret Atwood's Orcs and Crake. Step away from Handmaid's Tale. Join Oryx and Crake. It's weird. Um, and then I, I cannot remember the author, um, but it's an Argentinian writer. Um, so I read it in translation, but it's tender as the flesh trigger warnings. Um, but it is, it is really, really brilliant. It's a small little novella, um, about what if there was a virus that ruined all of like meat products, um, because it would transfer to people. Um, so we had to start farming human meat. Oh, I've heard and about it. I've heard about it that is, story. Oh, it's so dark and it's so, but it's so like beautifully poetic. The writing, because like sometimes translations can get a little wonky and a lot of like the beauty of the, the yeah. prose is really lost. Oh, it's just it's stunning. I like, I did, no pun intended, devoured it <laughs> in, in essentially like one sitting and it has oh, such a satisfying ending, which is really, really difficult to nail. Um, but yeah, those would be my I think those would be my suggestions. That's
0: great. And you guys can find all these in the show notes um I'm going to recommend a show that I've not recommended before um that I really like and it's it's a fun well it's kind of dark comedy a lot of people have described it as like fleabag but without the cringe of fleabag uh, which I totally agree and I don't like the cringe of fleabag so I definitely agree with that Uh, it's called this way up It's by Ashling B, who's a, she's an Irish comedian, but the show is set in London. And it's just like this beautiful tale of sisterly love, but also kind of like depression. But also very funny and also about what it's like to be an immigrant. And it's just, it's just all of the things, but it's very, very funny and also kind of tragic. And it's, I really, really love it. And I would definitely recommend it to anyone who's interesting. And also Ashling B is fucking hilarious i love her so much um so so yeah i would definitely recommend that okay well nargles uh, it was lovely to have you on the pod where can we find you online
1: um so you can find me on ao3 i'm nargles15 um you can find me on tumblr i'm btelling um, I'm also on Twitter if you want to put two and two together, but I basically just retweet crazy things about US politics and drag race. Fair um, So come <laughs> hang out. That's, that's, I'm on Twitter way too much. Um, but yeah, no, that's generally the corners of the internet that I lurk in. Great. And so I'm Pevely Send on AO3
0: and Tumblr, and you can find the podcast at the com. Thank you so much again uh, for coming on. It was lovely. Ah, oh, this was this was a dream and a treat. I loved this. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much. Okay, bye everyone. All right, see ya.